podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Pym, and I am an erotic writer, as well as the producer of a super awesome live stage show about sex and sexuality called Bedpost. Here at the Bedpost podcast, I invite past guests and performers from the stage show to indulge me in a more in-depth sex-positive conversation. And tonight, we have writer Kelly Wilk. Hello. Hello, Kelly. Kelly's a little under the weather. Just a little bit. That's okay. I've given her some hot tea. (laughs) How are you doing other than that? I'm a little bit gravelly, which may actually improve this. That's great. I also (laughs) mentioned I'm on the tired side. Uh, This is actually going to be an interesting podcast in that I usually do it like in the daytime. Oh. Um, But this is, we're at night. I just got shimmers. Oh, it's nice. It's sexy. <laughs> I'm wearing men's underwear. <laughs> and I have a babysitter. Let's go. Whoa. Speaking of how I am, um, <laughs> the crappy thing that happened to me today, Here. I'm 80% sure I have a UTI. Ah, 80% ouch. sure. I've had one before oh. ever in my life. Hmm. It, I don't think it was a very bad infection at all, but I kept going to my, my doctor's office is closed on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. So I went to mm-hmm. a walk-in and then, but I went at night. Okay. So apparently they just throw out all the samples when, if the lab's closed. Like, if they didn't get it to the lab on time, which was by 7 p.m. or something, you have to go they back. just throw them out. But they don't tell you they've thrown them out. So they give me some antibiotic or something, <sighs> right. which I take, <clears throat> just assuming I have a UTI, I guess. And then it ran out, and then it, mm. and then the infection came right back. Like right away, I could feel that like sensitive feeling. Well, you, yeah, you can that 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 can happen. You can just reinfect very very quickly. And then I went back. Yeah. At night, they threw out the sample again. Prescribed me some random thing again because they didn't actually test oh, me, oh, dear. which I also didn't know. Very body positive. Another week later, I'm oh, out of the antibiotics no. or whatever it is. And they and it comes back again. So at this point, I go to my my yeah. GP, and she's like, "Why did you go to a walk-in?" Uh-huh. <laughs> and she told me that yeah, they never would have actually been able to test me because I went at night, and as the lab was closed, the samples are dead by the next morning, so yeah. it won't get tested. And I was okay. trying to follow up; it was a nightmare, and she's like, "Just come to uh-huh. me next time." So that was my first one I ever had. And then now I feel the same feeling. Mm. Have you had one? Well, it's very interesting because I'm just going to put my healer hat on for a second. I would love you to. Diagnose I'm a holistic practitioner. <laughs> and I have dealt with those type of infections. My clients have dealt with those types of infections. They're very common. They're very, very common. And I've gone to a naturopath and I found that to be very helpful, but I also would just do reflexology on myself. Really? And I found that, well, reflexology is, is all about detoxification. So before I go, mm-hmm. I'm going to show you actually the points on your hand. This is your, your urinary tract here. Really? So, so she's pointing to area between her, her pointer finger and her yes, thumb. Yes, basically. Kind it's of this whole bridge. The connector, I mean, the bridge connecting yeah, the, so the thumb and the Yeah, so you work in there, any, any place in there, and you're going to get your bladder, your kidney, and your ureter. So what you want to do is you just so basically she's massaging take your her, thumb, yeah. dig your thumb into the fleshy part of basically the ball of, of the thumb, mm-hmm. and you just dig in there, and you do um, rotation. So you do circles. And then mm-hmm. you can also do this. is called milk. They call it milking. So you can milk <laughs> I've heard. I've heard about you that. You can milk down. So it's just you, with the same amount of pressure, you push and let go. Push and let go. So you want to go up to your kidney, which is up this, near the top, which is right underneath the pointer, your pointer finger, here, the ball. And so you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you feel any pain in here, that's where you want to be working because those are the little crystals that build up. 
in the reflexes in your body that tell you where the imbalance is, where the issue is. And I can't tell you exactly what the issue might be, but this is where you want to be working. That's where you want to be. Yeah. And a friend of mine who had this infection, who was actually a complete skeptic. Yeah. Said, okay, fine. Tell me what to do. Yeah. So I said, do this. And I think she did that for, she did that constantly whenever she thought about it for about a day and maybe it was two days, but then it was gone. Kelly, I'm down. (laughs) I just told Kelly pre-recording that I'm, though I'm not very, I'm not a religious person and I'm not even a spiritual person to tell you the truth, but I'm very interested Mm -hmm. about this whole world that I know nothing about and I'm always very interested to, to try it out or to know more about it or to talk about it or what have you. Well, it's, it's interesting that I find just being a, polis- a holistic practitioner, people are just drawn to me, and they kind of look at me like they're scared, but they want to know more, so they're, they're going to creep a little bit closer, mm-hmm. or they jump on me, and they ask a million questions, and yeah. it's kind of in between those two, but you know, as you, as you observed, as soon as I came into the house, I noticed particular symbols yes, that were around. Yes, she did. I noticed particular presences that were around, uh-huh. and I noticed particular items mostly totems yeah she so had B, she, the owl was there yeah which is actually a symbol for the goddess yeah which is my spiritual leaning which kelly's wearing owl earrings right now yeah. and i gave her an owl mug exactly which so is funny i know that they're coincidences but after going through all the things that i've learned i no longer really believe in coincidence it's just what you notice and what you don't notice I notice so, these things now, and I notice them at very, very particular times, particularly when I've asked for something to be visible. Hmm. And then it is. Um, yeah, so about this UTI. So I got cranberry uh, Yes, cranberry. I got yeah, the, you want the, the pure actually. juice. You don't want the stuff that's full of sugar because that's just going to take you back in the wrong direction. Yeah, because sugars are bad for yes. a UTI. Yes. I didn't even get juice, though. I got the uh, capsules. Okay. I got the pure capsules. Good, good. So I'm going to just... Take like maybe four of those a day. It's like five hundred milligrams or something. Yeah, however, I do that or or talk to the the uh, naturopaths at the Carrot Common are fantastic. That's where I've gone. Cool, but yeah, cranberry stuff is fantastic, and just any detoxing you can do. Lots of water. Yeah, I'm drinking like herbal tea, like it's gone out of style. Yeah, yeah. okay, without great. sugar and all that kind of stuff. No, nothing in it. Yeah, just uh, just yeah, it's like good. mint tea all day long. I was mm-hmm. drinking just. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just about an imbalance in in that area for women is so yeah so, so what happens i can tell you what happened the last time after i was having sex i didn't pee and i always do always 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 do and matt's like for whatever reason you just fell asleep after and that's very <laughs> unlike you and then i got my first uti ever and then so this time Matt and I don't have tons of like P and V intercourse. And when we do have actual intercourse, we don't do it for very long at all. Okay. It's like, but this time, which was a couple days ago, we had like intercourse for quite a long time. We were both really enjoying it, you know, I don't, and then I don't know, I guess just, I've, I've just heard that if you don't have sex for a, a while and then you suddenly have a lot of sex, mm-hmm. that can be a thing. Yep. However, I peed right after and I showered right after. Yeah. But anyway... I'm 80% sure. I can feel that like tingle. Yeah. It's not painful and it's not painful it's when I pee. It's probably still there. But your I can body is feel, giving you an awareness. Yeah. I can feel this like tingle there. Yeah. Sensitivity or like, mm-hmm. like a tickle. Yeah. When the illnesses that are going on are a very basic way for your body to tell you something is up. Yeah. With this part or that system or whatever it is and you work holistically, but it's okay. Where is the imbalance? Where does it actually come from? Is it physical? Does it have a physical root or is it mental? Mm -hmm. Is it emotional? Mm -hmm. Is it energetic? Is it spiritual? Because our body is, is a being that can hold all of those possibilities. Mm -hmm. And if we are not particularly spiritual, I feel like you just have to look at the very basic things that are happening in our life. Like what do I like or I not like? What am I drawn to or not drawn to? What hurts that doesn't hurt before? Mm-hmm. What can can't I or can I do? And it's just an that's how you notice how your body changes because our bodies are changing all of the time mm-hmm. depending on the exercise we get, the sleep we get, the self-care we get, mm-hmm. the support, the emotional verbal allowances you know that we have with the people around us like you know Mm -hmm. stuff gets pent up in all of these various ways yeah and then it 
manifests physically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Surprise, surprise. They're connected. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I'm not, like, I'm not on any meds at all anymore. And actually, the way I kind of grew up was very take a pill for anything and everything. And, well, you know, my mom has, as we spoke pre-recording as well, my mom has a lot of chronic pain issues. She has fibromyalgia, which you do, you shared with me. Um, my mom has pedendal neuralgia, um, specifically vulvodynia, which I mm-hmm. talked about very briefly mm-hmm. on the podcast before. So, you know, she has a lot of reasons to take meds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she has migraines. She has, like, two discs in her back have completely oh. dissolved, completely. Yeah. She's actually recovering from back surgery right now. Invasive? Yeah, and there's another one. After this one's healed, she should have another one up just further up on the back. So she has a lot of reasons to take drugs. But that was just kind of the culture that I grew up on. To So I took, I had migraines. I was on birth control since I was 12 or 13. And I was on a lot of di- other different stuff for stuff that I probably, that, you know, I most likely didn't need it for. And, you know, you're, they're just diagnosing the symptom and not what's causing the symptom. Yeah. So, and then, and then, you know what? Um, I went off of birth control maybe a year and a half now, I feel like. Well, and it takes a year for that to get out of your system, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. And you know what? I think my migraines were related to the birth control. You're probably right. Actually, at one point, oh, that's funny. I just had a memory. At one point, they tried to get me off the birth control, and they tried to put in an, an IUD. Oh. I was about, I was in college, I think, so I was about 20. But for whatever reason, they inserted it, and um, I had instant vertigo. Wow. Very bad. And they're like, okay, we'll just lie there, hang out there. You know, another 10 minutes, I'll come and check on you. We'll see what happened. And it did not go away one bit in the 10 minutes. And she's like, you know what? I got to take this out. Yeah, no kidding. So it was a hormonal one. It was the Mirena. So your body wasn't, your body wasn't ready for that. Didn't want that. Yeah. Didn't want that. So I had to go loud back to clear. birth control. Yeah, right. loud and clear. That foreign object we're inserting in you is not <laughs> being accepted. Like good things and bad things. About I. Yeah. Or just foreign objects. Well, <laughs> Aaron. Um, yeah, I've heard a bit about this IUD business. Like that was my, my only experience with it. I know there's a copper one that's kind of, Mm. there's a copper one. There's a hormonal one. Mm. The copper one, from what I understand, is kind of mysterious how it works. Yeah. Like, and scientifically don't actually know why a copper IUD inhibits pregnancy or ovulation Mm. or whatever the hell it does. But that's the interesting thing, because I remember the way that she described it was she was a nurse. My, my therapeutic touch teacher was a nurse. And she would have doctors say to her, well, tell me why this works. Tell me why Reiki or cranial sacral or, or therapeutic touch or all these things, tell me why they work. And she, she would say, well, um, give them this specific drug. Tell me why that works. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be able to, mm-hmm. because... They don't know how these things work. Like for, for fibromyalgia, Lyrica, mm, yeah. it's an MS drug. It's a nervous system drug. Mm-hmm. And I'm on it, and I my life has changed since I've been on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fought it for a very, very long time because it has this garbage list of side, side effects. effects. But so does every, every med. medication. But at the same time, like I had Especially to Especially pain meds, I feel like. Yeah. My mom just is a mess of side effects. Yeah, oh. yeah. But, I mean, sometimes you've got to weigh it because just just like the eastern side of, of medicine has massive benefits, obviously so does the western because, you know, I, I can't bring you back to life. I can't set your leg. Like, you, one can't function yeah. without the other. And they work best when they're together because sometimes it has to be preventative medicine, particularly if it's chronic. Yeah. Because if you're living day-to-day with something, you will have no control if you are just only can, yeah. giving it medication, especially if it's something that affects you badly or interacts with other things badly. Mm-hmm. But if you shouldn't need them, they're fantastic tools. And when I was kind of at my lowest, when I was dealing with things that I really couldn't deal with anymore, I had to open myself up and say, okay, I'm going to try, I'm gonna these, try it. these types of tools. So glad. Yeah. So glad that I did, that I have a good doctor, that I trust my doctor. Good. And that I also have the wherewithal to take care of myself. Like I do Reiki on myself 
every day. I do mm-hmm. yoga. I do Pilates. So I guess, Kelly, what I'm asking is, should I keep my doctor's appointment on Thursday or should I just... Absolutely, because yeah. if... You... What's he going to give me, though? I've only ever heard of that being dealt with with antibiotics because that's the only thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. Um, but working with my naturopath, she had me doing sitz baths. Oh, with, I've heard of that. Yeah. You know what? That's funny. This is the first time I'm going to talk about this on the podcast. I, I did a bit of self-diagnosing. I have like a bit of a cyst, mm-hmm. um, which I diagnosed to be a Bartholin cyst. Okay. Which is just um, from what I've read on Wiki Doctor. <laughs> wiki Doctor. Well, That's doctor. what it's called. What, what do you say? <laughs> I'm not a doctor, let me be clear. Um, But what I read about it was just one of the, I don't even know the medical term for it, one of the tubes, I'm going to say tube, uh, that gets, secretes vaginal fluid. Okay. uh, And it's like in your labia, gets clogged. Okay. And a cyst forms there, like on on your labia. And, of course, when you Google anything health-related, you, you see the, the grossest, <laughs> you get a bonus. weirdest, worst-case yeah, scenario, I everything. Stay away from Google. Yeah. I regretted it immediately because it made me freak yeah. out. But I just, like, basically... visual. Yeah, there are... Oh, of course, there's pictures. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there's, like, a golf ball size oh. cyst on some woman's labia and all this. All they talk about is sits fast, sits fast, sits fast. Yep. Like, that's how you diagnose it. Just Epsom salts in this sits fast, mm-hmm. which is a little bath that you sit in, yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Um, or you can just do it in a regular bath. Yeah, so I just did... That's exactly what I did. I got, like, tea tree oil out and... Uh, yep. Took a bath twice a day. Tea tree is good antifungal and antibacterial. Yeah. So that's yeah. why that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And and meanwhile, it wasn't big, but I could feel a difference between my mm. left labia and my right one. Yeah. One was like a little, well, you're a little your bigger. Best, yeah. You're and your a little best meter for something has changed in my body. Yeah. And a lot of the time because I could feel it almost had like I felt like I had flu a little bit of fluid or yeah. something. It was just a little swollen. Mm-hmm. My one side. Matt could never feel anything. And I actually went to my doctor, and she's like, there's nothing there. And I'm like, I can feel, though, one is, like, slightly yeah. bigger. Like, it's, well, it's a your body. Something. So. But, and then I did, <laughs> then I did all the baths and stuff, like, this sits bath you're talking yeah. about. And then it's fine. And I'm just used to it, I think, now. It's also not big at all, but. For me, I can feel it. Yeah. I can feel that it's well, a little it's, different. Well, it's like those I'm totally sitting out. This is like two it's, years ago, I think, mm-hmm. that I first saw it there. And it's never hurt. It's never been weird at all. Mm-hmm. It's just that I noticed a thing there. Yeah. So that's there. I have a vaginal cyst on one of my labia. <laughs> well, everybody. It, it, I, love, I love holistic myths. Because you look at your body as a whole, and all of those things are going on in your body. So they are relevant yeah so when you work holistically it's like okay well it may not be an issue per se but what is the significance of it why is it there and you work as a whole as opposed to there's this issue going yeah micro focusing on the symptom so it just pulls it back yeah think about in your life yeah Yeah, what's going on for you in the universe of your body this is different than it was the day before, and that is not insignificant. Yeah, like, and, and what I found just by looking around again on the on the interwebs, that it was, like, something's rubbing there, and, of course, one of the things was, like, a lot of sex. Yeah. And I was like, well... Dang. Well, shit. <laughs> like... <laughs> And it was like bike riding, like horse riding, stuff rubbing there. It's like a bad uh, tampon uh, commercial. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so who knows if any of that's true. But anyways, nothing has progressed Ooh. on this vaginal cyst. It's okay. just there now. It's, okay. it's just there now. I love how this is going <laughs> completely I am now. medical. And, completely... <laughs> <laughs> and it's all shit about me, uh. too. Okay, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. Uh, and then we're going to switch gears to actually talk about sex. Um, (laughs) I swear we will on the break Kelly is going to read one of her poems and then we're going to get started talking about Kelly's erotic writing and her whole life story here (laughs) when we come back this is a poem called infinity there is no space between us intolerant of the most minuscule separation The boundaries of our bodies are lost. Gravity presses its advantage, tunneling into the softest parts of me. 
The beating of your heart has cycled into the beating of mine, creating a temporary infinity. Our need calls us deep from our core. Every cell is a drumbeat, every nucleus pounding out an eternal rhythm of desire. Skin warm, arms full, you rise and fall, the primal link flowing, ravenously oozing over our skin, like the first creatures with appendages crawling out of the sea. My skin is alight with the burn of pleasure, flooding my spirit. Deep waters run over the edges of my chalice, flashing through the veins of this warrior princess. My birthright is pleasure. Open the doors to the temple and I will enfold you in my arms, like a wild cat pinning down its prey with long canine teeth, a steady savage gaze, and the fierce beating of its heart. So Kelly, speaking of erotic poetry, (laughs) I read an amazing article it is in Pink Play Mags, which is an awesome queer magazine. Quarterly magazine. Quarterly magazine, yep. seasonal magazine. And your article is talking about kind of a long, a long developing mm. relationship yes. with your own sexuality. Yeah. And also a long standing flirtation with erotica writing. With erotica writing. Yeah. And you mention, well, I won't, spoiler alert, <laughs> it talks about uh, Kelly reading at Bedpost and how that was a part of this journey. <laughs> yes, it certainly was. For you. I love this article. I want to talk all about it. So let's go right to the beginning. <laughs> right to the beginning okay. um, where you were talking about when you're finding women attractive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you were, how young would you say? Um, the first time I noticed it was kind of the end of high school. Okay. Latter end of high school. Mm-hmm. And I noticed it, but I think as a, a queer woman that most of the time more than not passes as straight, mm-hmm. you kind of look at yourself in the mirror and you assume the things that I think Other most people of the people assume, assume around you. you. And you don't quite get it. You're a little bit dense, but part of you knows mm-hmm. and says oh shit I don't want that to be true I'm just gonna stuff that under a rock for a little bit because I can't deal, I can't with, deal that. with that right now yeah you know and whether or not you present as queer or, or whatever a lot of people do that uh, 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 just like anybody does that with anything anything that they don't quite want to face yet right so what kind of a family dynamic, or even did you know anyone who was gay? Any women particularly who were gay that, uh, that you uh, <clears throat> kind of that you could have seen yourself in or role modeled no, yourself after? Not, really, not really, not that to I even, remember. To even, I guess, know what that was. TV. Do you it, see it, it anywhere? More media. It was more yeah. media, but it was it was so on the fringes mm-hmm. for me that when I came out. Or when I thought of potentially coming out, it felt like I was the only gay person in the universe. Yeah. Because it just wasn't a part of the regular, you know, I, I went to the same school you said for, you went girl, to a for private, girls for 13 years. A private girls school. Yeah, I lived in a fishbowl. Wow. Everybody knew everybody's business. Yeah. It was quite uncomfortable some of the time. Um, Did people know your business? I think they probably before did. you did. Oh, probably. You think? Yeah. yeah. Well, I tell I told particular people, and I know that other people were were questioning me. Mm-hmm. But you have to also realize it was at a pretty traumatic time in my life. My my dad passed away when I was nineteen. Oh, I see. And my life kind of everything the carpet was pulled out. Everything mm-hmm. was where it wasn't before. And it was actually much easier to focus on me being a lesbian than to, <laughs> than deal, to deal with, with losing a parent. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. it was almost like it, it kind of kicked me out of the closet. And I, just, you know, wow. stood up and looked around and figured out where I was and went, oh, shit, I'm going back in. <laughs> <laughs> Turn around and hightailed it yeah, back into so you went. So you back realized this and you just I shut it down. It. Shut her I down. shut it down. Talk about a holistic practitioner who has to get herself out of a place that she shut down when she was 19. Wow. Like, it was a mess. It was a mess inside. Because I then didn't come out till I was 25. Wow. 
So yeah. <laughs> so what did you do in those in those five six years? What what was your life like sexually or just your self identity? Mm, it was or... just very painful. Yeah. And dramatic. And I think I was. I mean, God, I was a theater student, so it was almost like I was playing a role. Yeah. And I knew how to play it very well because it was modeled all around me and pretty much all of my social contacts. And then even when I went to university, there was more women, and you know, but it was kind of, I, I laugh at myself profusely because I was at the University of Guelph mm-hmm. and it's known for, you know, it's very leftist slash hippie slash queer yeah. friendly. And I would go say, I'm, I'm just going to go to a kink festival. I'm just, <sighs> you know, I'm there because I'm supporting my friend, wink, wink, nod, nod. And then, you know, there's this, there was this beautiful amazing butch that I was talking to and mm-hmm. and we had this click because I was helping her move tables after the cake festival was over okay and she was god she was dressed like you know a little rapper kind of thing but mm-hmm. um she was like wow you went to private school I went to private school too mm-hmm. and we sat down and we were chatting and I, I kind of noticed how people were noticing us together and letting us have that interaction mm-hmm. and at the end of it I was like okay bye see you and left and later I was like stupid stupid <laughs> stupid I could have just said, let's go for coffee, and falling into my identity would have been really easy, but I didn't. But still didn't at that I point. I took the pill. Wow. I, that You know, that that my life was, was previously prescribing, and I swallowed it, and thought back to that moment going, my body was telling me something. Yeah. My intuition was telling me something. So it felt so good for a reason, but I didn't realize why it felt so good, and then later on I'm going you know what that was bullshit because I already knew that yeah in the first place yeah I just completely shut it down and then once I opened that up I started remembering the moments where I was connecting with my orientation Mm -hmm. because I had little glimpses yeah yeah those moments where I had I had I saw where you peeked out yeah I saw someone um a, a woman dressed like a man and I had an intaneous instantaneous reaction and at those moments where you can't hide from yourself when you just have a reaction your body reacts your mind reacts and then you go wow that's scary mm-hmm. that's that's really honest and I don't know how people are going to react to that around me mm-hmm. and then you get scared and then when you get scared you go oh I'm ready to do this or I'm not ready to do this depending on the support that's around you and I did not have Didn't I did not feel point. I had Absolutely, I had individuals that were supportive. Like who? Um, my best friend at the time mm-hmm. was fantastically supportive, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think I don't think any of my friends. I don't know what they would have done if I had come out at that point. Mm-hmm. But I I definitely felt like there was no way that I even wanted to to oh. try. I didn't want to really? know whether or not they would have supported it because I just didn't want the conflict. Mm-hmm. Like at that, you thought it'd be easier. Well, it, in the I don't know. I don't know if it was easier, but at the at that moment, I didn't have a dad anymore, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure where to put my weight in in terms of trusting people for support. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to pull another carpet out from out from under from myself willingly. So that kind of just was messy, just messy. So so how long later until you think you were ready to? Well, it took me a while. Um, I moved to Toronto Mm -hmm. to um, go to a wellness promotion course, which led me to hands-on healing. That that first um, the first uh, therapeutic touch course that I told you about. Mm -hmm. Uh, As soon as I did that, I knew I was in the right place because I I automatically trusted what was happening. Mm And I had never done that with anything other than writing and performing. Mm-hmm. So it was like suddenly healing was on the exact same level as writing and performing, which were, this is what my life is about. Right. So, okay, this is what my life is about. So I'm just going to flow into that and go into the holistic practitioner care program awesome. that branched out of that. So while I was in Toronto pursuing all of this, and I mean, I basically online dated 
for years. Yeah. Like, since before I was 25. Yeah. Um, and went out with a lot of men and, you know, had a lot of sexual encounters. Mm-hmm. But at, I had this, and I talk about this in the article, it was... It's, it's a chapter in my memoir card, you know, called Dinner with the, the Cardboard People. Mm-hmm. And my mother, bless her soul, said, oh, honey, I have this four dates and four dinners thing that I just, there's not the people, there's not the um, the places to do where I live. So I'm going to give them to you because they do dinners in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So you, so four women go out and four men go out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if there's mutual attraction or whatever... Then, you know, you, you filter through however many dinners to try and find somebody. Mm. So I thought, hey, perfect thing. I'll let somebody else do the work for me. I've tried online dating, and obviously that's not working. Mm-hmm. And I got dressed up. I put in my heels and my skirt and my lipstick and got in a cab and went and find the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. And then I realized as we were sitting down, I just... I looked at all the men around me and I realized that they were all individually repelling me for some reason. <laughs> and all I wanted to do there was this gorgeous brunette. Mm-hmm. There was this gorgeous brunette sitting right across from me. She was wearing indigo blue and this gorgeous silver necklace and her hair was just falling in, in soft waves around her and I was like so how are you let's talk about this let's talk about that you know we got into holistic healing and I couldn't I, I literally I had this moment where I literally couldn't stop myself from trying to engage with her well. even though I was kind of looking at this going, oh, God, no, no, he's not right. And I would never want to, no. And then the person that, you know, this behemoth man who suddenly, <laughs> you know, I was attracted to when it was just he and I, mm-hmm. but now he was suddenly just too close and I just needed space. Mm-hmm. And I was going, wow, I'm gay. <laughs> I am. I am so gay. And you I had can't, that thought? This is, Absolutely. Yeah. Thought, oh shit! What am I gonna do? My mother's paid good money for me <laughs> to have three more dinners in Toronto, and I can't do it. I cannot do it. So, how old were you at this point? I was twenty-five. You're twenty-five. So then, at that point, I thought, okay, shit, I may as well just create, you know, a profile on, you know, Lava Life for Women. Yeah. And just, you know, put my hook in the sea. Wow. And I went on on this wonderful first date with a, with a person that's actually, you know, still a friend. And the first time I kissed her, I just went, oh, shit, I am such an idiot. <laughs> what have I what been doing? What have I been doing with my life? life? I could have figured this out so, so long, long ago, ago, but it was so easy for me to hide from myself. Like, I didn't, I didn't grow up... Um, you know, I didn't grow up um, presenting as queer in in the ways that many other queer or gay or trans or two-spirited people do, do which in a way outs them. And there's this, this question of, you know, is that easier or harder? Is mm-hmm. it easier to be outed from the beginning and not be able to hide and mm-hmm. therefore force yourself to, to deal up. with, yeah, to, to deal with those questions? Or, you know, is it, is it better to have a little time to, to mentally choose to jump off choose, that cliff yeah. as opposed to be pushed off it? Yeah. You know, because it really does feel like a cliff sometimes. Yeah. And then once you're, you know, you're over the cliff and you're strapped onto the parachute and you're flying with the seagulls going, okay, this isn't so bad, but, you know, what happens when I hit the ground? Um, <laughs> and how is my family going to react and all this kind of stuff? And at this point... Oh, I told my mother on Mother's Day. Wow. <laughs> I told my mother on Mother's Day. Yeah. And it was it was hard because I was coming out at the same time where my dad had just passed away and we really our whole our whole idea of what family was and how we supported each other and how we communicated our, with each other had to reform. And that was my first experience with grief and how it changes everything in your life and how all of the people mm-hmm. that you know, you automatically have to in some way change your relationship with them post-grief. Mm-hmm. So what did your mom say? She cried. She, she cried. was so happy. I came she was out, happy Oh crying. my God, yes. She was crying tears of joy did at, she... at, a, at a baton rouge at Young <laughs> Shepherd. And she was like... <gasps> 
And all the people were kind of looking around, and I thought this was either the biggest state mistake of my life or the, <laughs> or the like, best choice. And I've she ever just made. reached across, and in her way that had become her way at that point was, "I am so happy. When do I get to meet her?" <laughs> That is the so best I was possible She was crying. Reaction. Yeah, it was. So it was did your best. mom feel like she knew a little bit? Or Yeah, yeah she knew. Most of the people in my life, yeah, looking back knew. on those things, they went, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, comparing my mom's reaction to my sister's reaction. Which so, was? Well, I, I actually practiced on her in a restaurant on before your sister? I practiced on my mom. So I was like, so, by the way, I'm seeing someone and it's a her. And I think she just kind of looked at me, blinked Blinking. a little bit, and it's so so I'm gay. And she's like, "Oh," and I think there was about ten seconds of silence, and then she goes, "Oh, no, that makes sense." <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love you. Really? Yep. Great reaction. Great. Great reaction. Great. And, and those from are the, there, I just support and from it just, everyone. It just Did support it just... of well, my dad's parents. It was hilarious. Because I really, when I was thinking about coming out, it was, oh my God, I can't tell my grandparents. I'm going to have to wait till they're dead. And then, and then my dad died and I thought, I want to hang out with them every second because I'm now terrified to lose the people that I love in my family. And also being with them is like being with him. With your dad. So I spent a lot of time with them. And so I said, okay, you know. I need to tell them. So I went there one weekend and I was reading my, my, my granddad didn't see very well. So I was reading him the paper. And of course there was a story about two gentlemen who were gay mm. and wanting to get married. So I thought, okay. Did you read this, that to, yeah. to kind of gauge his I, reaction? Well, I did. Or? I said, do you want me to read this article? And he's like, sure, go ahead. Mm. So I read it. And so mm-hmm. I said, well, what do you think about that? And he said, well, I don't, I don't have a problem with two gentlemen getting married. I don't think it should be called marriage. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, I'm I, okay with that. So, <laughs> so did you do went, it right oh, there? Oh, shit, I'm on. No, did I waited. Right I waited because it was just my granddad, and I wanted to wait until my, both my grandparents were there. Uh-huh. And I said, well, you know, I am seeing someone. She's a woman, and, and I've realized that I actually am gay. So my granddad looked at me and said, well, well whatever floats your boat. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, like, <laughs> modern, liberal acceptance paired mm. with this old-timey yes. speak. Yes, And you know what? The person, the person that I was most impressed with, though, was my grandmother. Because when I got married to, to my late wife, she understood us because there was this femme-butch dynamic. And, you know, throw away the fact that we were lesbians. We were the most heterosexual couple ever mm-hmm. because we just, that, that dynamic just worked I was for just, us. that's funny. I just read an article about the, how there is no quote unquote gay lifestyle. Like how that is just, there is yeah. no gay lifestyle. No. How, how. It's just a lifestyle. It's, it's life. It's one lifestyle and everybody has it. <laughs> because yep. as you're saying. Uh, yeah, many you know many gay couples can more closely mm-hmm. resemble yeah. traditional quote yeah. unquote hetero couples, you know, yeah. and a lot of hetero couples can closely resemble like yeah. BDSM, like yeah. uh, leather leather bound mm-hmm. gay couples, gay lifestyle. No. There's no straight no. line, you know. It's just all no. all labels, dumb labels. Well, she she broke the barrier. I mean, she got to be she got to be a hundred. And she just passed away just a year ago. But she was so good. And she was so, she was one of my topmost supporters because she couldn't figure out whether she should have called Kara a him or a her. But we kept saying to her, it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't, she doesn't care. Mm -hmm. She just wants to be my partner. And she just wants to know that you support our relationship. And that was an obvious yes. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we wanted to have a baby. And she got a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want to approach me, but she approached <laughs> my mom. And she said, so, so, so Kara and Kelly, they want to have a baby. And she's like, yes, Herda, yes, they want to have a baby. And mm-hmm. she's like, so Kara is a woman? <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Herda, if she went to shop, you know, at a, uh, at a store, she would not, she is a woman, but she would not shop for a dress. 
she would shop for, you know, uh, uh, khakis and a ringer t-shirt and a baseball cap. Mm -hmm. That is her. Mm -hmm. But yes, she's a woman. So they want to have a a baby, but Kara, she has no thingy? (laughs) You're making (laughs) a motion. Exactly, the little flicking of the finger. She has no thingy, and I can see her doing this with her nice, long, manicured nails with a jewel on it. She has no thingy, Gail. Yes, no no harness. She has no thingy. (laughs) <laughs> so how how are they going to do this? Well, they're going to go to a fertility clinic and they're going to get a sperm donor and they are going to get what what we call what I call it to my son is now special ingredient to put inside of mummy mm-hmm. so we could mama and mama and mummy could have a baby together. Yeah. Because we wanted a child. Well, that is just wonderful. <laughs> That is just wonderful. I didn't even know that there were these types of services available. <laughs> just, oh, Damn right, there are. Oh, there are. This is this is great. But then, even further to that, the best conversation that I had with her was, well, Kara is gay because she is a woman that looks like a man, but you are gay and you still look like a woman. Mm-hmm. And I had this interesting conversation with her where she understood that just because I looked like a woman didn't doesn't mean. mean I was straight and didn't mean I was attracted to, to Kara because she, just because she looked like a man. It was because she was a woman mm-hmm. that looked like a man because, in fact, that is what I, I am. That is what to. I am. That is, I am gay. She's like, so you're a lesbian. Yes. yes, yes, I am, and I. This is. She was like ninety five when I had this conversation wow. with her, and I'm like, it's, it's like going right back to the <sighs> very basics. Eh? Yeah, so interesting because yes. really they have no knowledge base for no. this spectrum of sexuality and gender and That's everything right. we we so often talk about nowadays. Like they have just no knowledge yeah. base. Yeah. Uh, about that so that's so funny that you yeah. have to go back to and there was the no offense basics. there was no offense just the fact that Kara didn't present as a woman even though that's what she biologically was a lot of people would be offended by that mm-hmm. because they have more of a problem with with uh, gender queering than orient than orientation mm-hmm. because it's visible mm-hmm. right and I mean I would get she she called it she called it the what is that thing or no, what is that yeah, it's the what is that look? Yeah, when they were looking, and I got more mad yeah. when people were giving Kara that look than you know than she did because she was used to it. Yeah, well off her back. All right, we got to take another quick break because I have a UTI and I got to pee. And <laughs> <laughs> don't do that when I've got tea in my mouth. Okay, uh, <laughs> a quick a quick word from our sponsor, and then we're gonna come back. I want to talk about your kid and and lots more after the break. All right, I'm going to talk about the Social Capital Theatre for a minute because I love the space, the owners, and the staff, and I spend a good deal of time there between seeing hilarious comedy shows on a very regular basis and producing my own monthly erotica show there, Bed Post. They have two newly renovated stage spaces, multiple rehearsal rooms, and of course, a bar. Check out what's happening at the Social Capital Theatre, including their rentals, classes, and the multiple shows they stage every single night at SoCap.ca. Okay, Kelly, welcome back. I want to talk about your family. (laughs) Which you're just saying to me, you love talking about your family because at root you're a memoir writer. Yeah, are you really? You know that's funny because I write fiction. I do, mm-hmm. but I consider it all memoir memoir yeah. work. Oh yeah, well because you pull from yourself. I always pull it's, from. Yeah, it's your imagination or your experiences or do. your your fantasies of of what could be true, what might have happened. You yeah. Know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right where I am too. So, uh, as we're talking briefly about your pregnancy, Mm -hmm. and and tell Um, me the steps that that, uh, you went through. So, well, actually, the friend, the the person that I was telling you about, had a baby, and they really had a great 
experience at uh, Create. Okay. Um, Dr. Liebrich is the, the clinic owner who, again, I, I wrote a memoir when I was pregnant called uh, Picking Apples because we, we called our son Appleseed when he was getting big because we mm-hmm. compared him. You can go online and com- com- compare the, the development of your fetus to a size of a fruit or vegetable. So he was an apple seed to begin with, so that just kind of stuck. stuck. And then it was like an avocado and then a honeydew <laughs> watermelon. And, oh, my God, this is... <laughs> I can't believe that the size of child is in me and this has to actually come out. What the fuck did I do? <laughs> Were you scared? Uh, I was terrified. <laughs> oh I, I am I am certain that that's why I didn't get <laughs> pregnant the first time we did it because I was having a spaz. So you tried the first time? We tried, yeah. We but... went in, we picked donors. We wanted Irish Irish. We wanted it, okay. you know, as close to her as Heritage. possible yeah. yes and and uh, we actually had to go to the states for irish irish like it was so it was interesting. interesting yeah so then it was okay so we're bringing in this it will be washed and, and i kind of said to dr Liebrich, well, what does that mean do you put the sperm in the shower for a while yeah, it like, will be washed. like no no, no it's, it's it's cleansed because there's a whole bunch of stuff in sperm that's not actually that's sperm not, yeah and we're just gonna get rid of that because yeah. it's 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 dead sperm or it's it's stuff that is not you know moving yeah. And we want the good stuff. Okay. So it's so like, it's you know, a, a vintage wine as opposed to, it, you know, something shitty in a box that you drive by from the drugstore. It's a reduction. <laughs> exactly. It's a, a reduce- reduction. It's a <laughs> viscous, thick <laughs> sperm. <laughs> yeah, so we're, I got the good stuff. Um, and then he had to do tests on me to make sure that I was actually fertile because sure. I had no idea. Sure. I know. And how lucky for you, really, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to but not have to worry about well, getting Well, yeah, pregnant. for a while, I, that's it was what I'm great. Referring to. It was fantastic <laughs> because I didn't have to, I didn't even have to bother myself about, do I want to put those chemicals in my body? Yeah. Like my heterosexual sisters who do have to worry about a pregnancy like me, every time they have sex. Yes. Since I was 12 and I was on it until yeah. I was 30. Yeah. Because that's what you do. Because that's what you do and, yeah. you know. Yeah, and I'm off it now, so mm, that's good. But but, yeah, I felt like it's a lifelong. Yeah, (laughs) I was glad I didn't have to do that. But now, I didn't actually know. So they did some one particularly painful test, where they had to basically put ink through Mm. through your your fallopian tubes to make sure that they were open. Mm -hmm. And we discovered that I had a heart shaped uterus. Oh. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> you don't want as it? As trite and adorable as that sounds, <laughs> it means that there's not actually enough room in there for the fetus because of its uh, inane shape. shape. Oh, <laughs> so he said, well, you know, it's it's not that bad. It's slight, Kelly. So I just kind of said, oh, my God, everything about me is sappy. Of course, my uterus is heart-shaped. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So, okay. But he said, you know, it's not, it's not too bad. So... Then you clock, you know, your cycle. You mm-hmm. have to go in. You do so, cycle So by saying it'll be okay, just it'll be a bit of a stretch? It'll be, no, mean? it's a, it's slight enough that we don't think it's going to have an impact. Oh, I see. Okay. So he was saying, you know, yes, it is heart-shaped, but not so much so that it could pose a, a threat, a danger yeah. to the fetus. Okay. This so, really, this really interests me just about finding out whether you're fertile or not, because actually Matt and I are interested in doing some testing mm-hmm. for the two of us, but not yeah. because we want to have a child because we don't want to have a child. Uh, <laughs> so I was just even just thinking uh, how easy would no. or difficult would it no. be for me you to find out it... whether I am fertile or not? Cause I don't know. I've never had a pregnancy or an abortion. I don't, or I don't actually know because it was just more, we want to see if all your parts are working. Mm, yeah. So it's more like it's easy for a guy to go and see if he's yeah sperm count yeah they can for, do sperm count but, but for, for a, a woman, woman I feel like you don't you not can't really do an egg count yeah like you not. how basically it's it's uh, trying to see what uh, barriers you would have to fertility mm-hmm. which is is your uterus functioning properly do you have a proper period are you mm-hmm. regular are your fallopian tubes, you know, do you have cysts or scar tissue, like mm-hmm. endometriosis, whatever it is mm-hmm. that you might have that would inhibit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you making a good, you know, incubator. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was all good. And he said, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't mm-hmm. conceive. Mm-hmm. So let's give this a shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my picking apples, I kind of described Dr. Liebrich more as like a candy shop owner or a Santa Claus than like a, a doctor because he bounced along with this 
coffee. He's like, okay, today's the day. Let's get in there. We've got the wash sperm. Let's put the catheter in. Hey, Carrie, you want to do this? Come so down what, here. So what exactly <clears throat> happened? So the so catheter what? went in. Yeah. And I was standing, sit, sitting there, lying there, looking at the ceiling, which was all I ever seemed to do <laughs> in this entire process. And... The catheter went in, and it was actually, I think Dr. Liebrich was even out, and it was uh, a very, very experienced, long-time head of nurse that came in and did this. She was mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the Mrs. Claus to his Santa, <laughs> and said, okay, Kara, do you want to do this? Like, you know, this is this is your baby. Do you want to do this? She's like, really? Can I do this? So no. what's she doing exactly? So she, there's, like, this big plunger thing that, yeah, looked scary. Like a turkey baster? Yeah, That's pretty what much. That's pretty what I'm much. Okay. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's thinner than that. And, and FYI, we got two turkey basters for our bridal shower. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was stainless steel. <laughs> and my aunt had no idea why everybody was laughing. Oh, that's- <laughs> Oh, God bless you, Aunt Susan. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yes, Kara just put this stuff in, and it, it was a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was in, and then I realized it was in there, and I couldn't get it out, and I freaked. <laughs> what do you mean? I absolutely freaked. I thought, oh, shit. Am I ready for this? Like this could act is oh, it's, I gotcha. it's I the see what difference you mean. between theory and reality. Oh I see what shit! You mean. This is happening if right this now. Goes in, this has to come out. Yeah, and I was really, really nervous about labor because I have chronic pain. Yeah, I have pain all the time, and some people who have arthritis or MS or, or fibromyalgia like I do mm-hmm. find that the hormones do a nice little gift to you mm-hmm. and you get better with pregnancy mm-hmm. and then you have this flip side of the coin where some people get worse way worse which and then, as far as I know my mom got way worse yeah. as far as I know well I mean I don't know I'm I don't know. <laughs> yeah, didn't have, yeah, it's hard but, to tell. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell, but that's the risk you take. And then I decided maybe this was, well, this is what I, this is what we wanted. So I thought, okay, I can, I can do pregnancy as a chronically ill person. I can do parenting as a chronically ill person. Mm-hmm. I can express to my child that there are some days where mommy is not going to be able to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. There are days that have to be quiet story movie time mm-hmm. days. And of course, I give birth to a, an Irish redheaded Aries <laughs> that clobbers me on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> Like the universe says, "Gotcha." Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. we reeled you right into that one. <laughs> so so the first one did not. So take, the first one did not. But take. then you went back, did the well, same scenario. We did the same scenario. And what was different for you this time that you? Could, <sighs> well, I mean, you and your I'm holistic. Go, well, I was just gonna say, I, I have I have the intuition that I can go a little spiritual here. Mm-hmm. This was the beginning of my work with totems. Okay, I did my Reiki master over the time that I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. It was actually a very spiritually positive time mm-hmm. for me about really accepting my body and where it was and realizing that my midwife and my doula, when I said, I don't know if I'm ready for this, they would look at me and go, do you remember who you are? Mm-hmm. We don't know anybody that's this aware of their body mm-hmm. and this prepared without doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I went from, okay, I'm not afraid to, okay, I'm going to have a home birth. Wow. And that switch for me was like, shit, I got this. Ooh, so like, what, tell me about the home birth. I can control. If I can be home, if I am not immobilized, if I can move, I can control my pain level. Because that's what I've been doing since I was 12. See, I've heard like, so so much about home birth. Um, I read this book actually called Vagina um, by... Uh, the last name is Wolf. Um, I forget her her first name. Patri- oh. Patricia, maybe someone Wolf. It's a book yeah. called Vagina, and she okay. talked about all about uh, the ANS, um, which is your automatic nervous system, yeah. and just yeah. um, she talks about it more in terms of sex <clears throat> uh, rather than birth, but it's all the same thing. Well, and it's yeah. all these different systems in your body that you don't have control over usually like like uh sweating like right. milk bearing down yeah. like birthing like menstruation yeah um all these types of things that um orgasm yeah one of them um that when you have all these 
environmental factors change, such as taking yourself out of this white reflective surfaces, uh, you know, strangers around you probing you with tools and And machines and beeping from you. And and, yeah, someone else's take you from there into your own home where you feel comfort, you feel safe. You have your wife. Yep. By your side, I have my you wife. Have this doula, I have you have my this midwife. Law, I have my mother-in-law. I have my this three support midwives. team yeah, that you've been exactly. working with with for however long exactly. you're in your bedroom or wherever you are. Yeah, you know, and how huge, huge, huge an impact stuff like that. Yeah, yeah again, with you, Mental. mind, body has an impact on you know what's happening yeah. physically, which is the birth. Yeah. And, and if with, I freak pain, myself and, out. My pain is going to get worse. Yeah. My fear is going to get worse. Yeah. So I'm just going to stop freaking myself out right now. And where that started was a, a moment. We we did the insemination. And then Kara said, as she always says, let's go to a movie. Mm-hmm. Let's have lunch. Let's go to a movie. So then we went to Montana's. And I went to the bathroom. And I was going out of the bathroom. And then as I was exiting it, there was this massive framed photograph of a wolf Mm -hmm. and I thought oh shit because I'm working was working with mainly wolf cougar and bear at that moment okay um which means what well those are they all appeared at different times in my life when I was doing guided visualizations or meditations or working with energy work where I would just be aware that there were particular because I would have a visualization of whatever and understand why that applied to me in my life at that specific moment and it always made sense mm-hmm. always so then you start forming a relationship with these energies mm-hmm. and you realize that you actually can communicate with them to what some did degree. those specifically mean to you what well, did the wolf mean the to you wolf what did the bear mean was to you? What did the my fibromyalgia basically was my struggle yeah. with my fibro because I was making it into a monster mm-hmm. when I as opposed to accepting that it's not this massive thing with teeth it's a mm-hmm. uh, if you don't take care of your body your fibromyalgia is powerful and it's going to kick your ass mm-hmm. so you stop Mm-hmm. Whatever it is you're doing to make the wolf angry, mm-hmm. stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why it was so intimidating because I, I would have very scary kind of dreams and interactions and those mm-hmm. kind of things. But it was my fear reflected. Yeah, and it wasn't aggressive. the wolf. It's it wasn't very... the wolf. It was me learning to face and come to terms with the pain mm-hmm. that I deal with every day. So I had made a friend mm-hmm. with him. Finally. Okay, so you come out of the so washroom. So I come out of the washroom and, I, and, and there's this, this massive photo. And I said, okay, this massive photo is be- directly behind the washroom door. And if I stand here to get a message, I was a little bit pissed off. If I stand there and get a message, somebody's going to walk through that door and cream me. <laughs> Bash! So if you have something to say to me, you say it now. Uh huh. He didn't hold the fact that I was being really pissy against him. He just said, Kelly, you're a pack animal. I thought, shit. Meaning what? You're here to have a pack. You don't have a pack yet. You have a mate. Mm -hmm. You don't have a pack. Mm -hmm. This is your path. Mm -hmm. Would you just stop freaking yourself? Stop resisting. (laughs) You are a pack animal. You can't, this is... Just just as the wolf can't get away from being a pack animal, neither can I. I am going to have a pack around me. I need a pack around me. So, go and eat your burrito and <laughs> relax and try this again in, you know, next month. Yeah. It worked. And it worked. Yep. Damn. Okay. We are, we're like so over time. <laughs> and we sorry. so haven't even talked about sex. I, but I'm so writer. fine about that. Yeah. I'm so great okay. with it. Okay. Tell us all the places our uh, audience members today can find you find all your okay. stuff because you do so much <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm a little bit of perfection going I should be doing more <laughs> oh gosh no seriously what's great about interviewing you is like I could just go online and yeah. read so much yeah, and I'm like I'm loaded and ready to ask <laughs> Kelly about well, everything yeah there's a full there's a full year worth of of griefy angst 
mm-hmm. with uh, Captain Grief. Great. Um, and then if you go to the Pink Play Magazine webpage, mm-hmm. which is uh, pinkplaymags.com, mm-hmm. you can download all of our um, past issues. Past issues, and I've written in, in an article in most of them starting in 2013. Amazing. Um, but there's a, a link to the Ginger Menace on that front From page there. so you can get that blog mm-hmm. but my own personal blog was one I started after Captain Grief wrapped up called uh, Brave Creative Me mm-hmm. and that's just www.bravecreativeme.com mm-hmm. and that's where I wanted to talk about healing but I also wanted to talk about cooking and and art and holism and spirituality and anything I, I needed a space to do including going to my first erotica reading Reading. and realizing that I needed to really come to terms with some things about my sexuality that I was still circling because writing a brutally honest memoir, I I got, I can Mm -hmm. do that. But when it comes to writing a brutally honest memoir about my sexuality and my orientation and not just, not just about them, but a poem that is in in itself sensual and and sexy and all those kind of things is so vulnerable mm-hmm. like it's a really really hard hard space and once i know that i'm scared to do something i kind of want to jump in so i jumped in with those poems and i wasn't sure that they were going to be good enough and they were so good <laughs> Kelly, I'm so, so happy to have had you here tonight. Once again, this is Kelly Wilk I've been speaking to. I am Erin Pym. To find out more about the Bedpost Stage Show, please go to facebook.com slash bedposterotica. And lastly, the Bedpost Podcast features original music by Steph Copeland, who can be reached at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com.